Welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv. This time I am speaking with Paisley, who does a show that is really fascinating. So if you think about learning a language, sometimes it can be really difficult because it's a bit like if you're learning music, you learn all the theory and that can bore people. But keeping that analogy, learning a language through listening to music could be more interesting because you, in some ways, learn words easier through songs than you do through a classroom. Anyway, thank you for speaking with me today, Paisley. I hope you're okay. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. That's fine. So my introduction, is that what you were thinking when you started the show? Um, I'm not sure that I was really thinking anything when I started the show, except that I was bored and needed a hobby. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, one thing I've always done, um, in, in the course of my language learning, and even before I actually got into a classroom is learn and translate songs. Um, used to start with the simplest songs I could find in the beginning. Um, but it always helped me along and it always helped sort of cement not only the vocabulary I was learning, but also give me more of an ear for grammar, more of an ear for sentence structure, and also more of an ear for the language itself. Um, and it's, it's just always been very helpful to me and obviously a lot more fun than plowing through a textbook. Um, so it, the, you know, I, I, Kind of, it kind of starts from there, I guess, and then I've sort of just experimented with different things, trying to make it a little more interesting, like adding um, a cultural and historical component to the show um, that tends to be related to the song in some way. So, yeah, just something that was kind of a, to be honest, a spur of the moment idea that I thought I'd try out and I thought I'd probably give up after an episode or two because no one would want to listen. And it has not turned out that way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, starting season two, we just started my se uh, second season of the show. Wow. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's interesting doing looking at another language because, um, I mean, with, with German, you've got various different uh, work, various different ways of saying specific words. For instance, it's a bit like um, so in English, you'll have one word for the or, or whatever, mm -hmm. and then and then in in German, you have the uh, the masculine, the feminine, and the neuter. Uh, so that's an interesting way of looking at it. Like you said, it makes you look at language from a different perspective in a way with that way of looking at things, but also with the way that how they structure sentences in a different language as well, where they will switch, where bit, things will be in a different order. It's like 
that that makes you think of the way that language is constructed as well and can make things more interesting in a way and it makes your brain work as well in in a lot of ways when you're learning a language like that as well yeah definitely i think one of the specific ways in which german is challenging for a lot of uh people is um especially the trinbars verben the separable verbs where part of the verb is at the beginning of the sentence and part of it will be at the end um this also happens with some forms of the past tense um where they will kind of clue you in that you're about to have um a past tense verb thrown at you eventually in the sentence they'll clue you in towards the beginning but then there could be um you know, 50 words between that and the end of the sentence where you get the verb and it completes the thought. And that can be very challenging, I think, especially for English speakers, because we don't have that. So it's it's sort of, you know, you kind of have to retrain your brain uh, to speak um, in, in those particular sentence patterns. We're not used to kind of trying to hang on to that thought that long. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a very different way of speaking and that takes a great deal of getting used to. And I mean, that's another thing that just listening to native speakers speaking naturally, not just necessarily, you know, the kind of curated sentences you get on say anybody who's ever sat in a language lab and just listened to somebody reading off sentences, um, that, that's very different than natural speech. Um, so yeah, I think in that way, especially, you know, and movies and TV shows and watching news articles, reading books, all of that's very, very good. But, you know, as, just as a music fan, I find that it's one of the ways that I like to engage with language the most yeah i mean uh, in some ways some bits of german i would have thought would have been uh relatively simple in some words for instance would be would mm -hmm. be relatively easy for some english speakers to to learn because the, the the fascinating thing that i'm not sure so many people know about is the fact that the english language as it's called is an amalgamation of different languages and 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 that anyway because it comes from you've got the the original from the old old english and then you've got german words that have been brought into the english language and in, and melt melded into there same as you have the uh, the norman the the french as well that's been brought into the english as well so really english is a, is an amalgam of all these different languages and so you would have thought that that side would be easy but like you said the way that the word that the sentences are constructed, that is one of the most difficult things, I think, like you said. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And some vocabulary definitely is very similar to English. And that is, um, you know, one advantage to English speakers learning German, because English is actually a Germanic language. It falls under not Romance languages, although we have a lot of French in there and a lot of influence from Latin. But our, you know, sort of, I guess, the base of the language is Germanic with a great deal of influence um, from France and other regions. Yeah, I think I think what ended up happening was that so 
I think, like you said, a lot of Germanic was thrown in there and some of the romantic, romanticised uh, languages as well. But I think it kept the, the sentence and the way that people structure in English their sentences and the paragraphs, etc., is based around how people spoke in Old English. So I think there's still that way of constructing sentences and speaking that has been kept, but with these words that have come elsewhere to replace words that really didn't work. So these words that are from other languages originally have stuck and replaced words that have now gone away into history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was, what was your introduction to the German language in the first place? Was it something that you learned at school or was it something that you learned some other way? Um, actually, um, I was a toddler and lived in Germany because my father is actually a German professor and he received a Fulbright scholarship to teach in Germany. And so my introduction to German was actually in Germany. Um, yep. Some of my first words were German words. Now, mind you, I forgot them all once we returned to the United States, and it was a long time before I ever took a specific interest in the language, in learning the language. But just because of, you know, my father, I it was always around the house. Even when we returned home, he'd always be studying by listening to news um, reports all the time watching any videos he could get his hands on. This was long before the internet, of course. Um, yeah. So it was just something that I've always been around. Um, but again, with music, um, it was really German music that sparked my interest in actually learning the language. Because, you know, I used to have some vague interest in knowing a couple of words, but I didn't particularly become interested until I was in high school. And when I was introduced to the band Einstürzende Neubauten, that is really when I started to think, ah, you know, this language is kind of cool. I'd like to know what they're saying in these songs. And then when I started translating it and just kind of learning how the language worked and seeing what I think is the poetry and the beauty in the language, that's where I just thought, okay, yeah, I really need to to go into this more and I ended up taking it in college and just loving it so much that it became my major. Should I respond with das ist very gut? <laughs> Danke. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's, that's a fascinating way of going into it, but then uh, to, to, uh, to go back to something almost that we were speaking about before we started the show, uh, my brother, as I said, he, he, um, he taught in, in Japan. And he actually learnt Japanese or started to learn Japanese through watching Japanese uh, anime and cartoons as a, yes. as a kid. So, so like po Pokemon. So he, he, it's it's a strange thing for me to see because I'm I'm terrible at languages, uh, surprisingly, even though I've just you know spoken German. Uh, but <laughs> I'm terrible with languages for the most part. But it's strange to see someone who can just learn a language through that medium. In a way, they just pick up these words and and from a program like Pokemon and those sort of things, I think, how can he understand what that word 
means? How how does how does your brain get around and understand these words? Well, it's context. Um, as a you know anime fan myself, even I know a few Japanese words just from watching anime. Um, yeah, I mean it's context. You can't help but notice some words, I guess. Um, that may not necessarily be true for all people. I suppose some people might just tune it out. Um, but even if it's a language I'm not particularly interested in learning, I tend to actually focus in on it and listen whenever I'm watching, say, a foreign film or even if I'm just overhearing, <laughs> overhearing a conversation between people. I'm always trying to pick out words Um I guess just out of curiosity and fascination in general with languages. I think a lot of languages are just beautiful and fascinating. And I find it so interesting that they even exist, that there's such a plethora of languages on this earth. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and again, that, that brings you back to sort of um, songs. You, you pick up some things just through context. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. I like the fact that there's all these different languages. It's a bit like, the, the, I think there was a fear at one point in the US where people were saying that there was a potential for losing the the original uh, Native American languages, you know, like the Cherokee and all these other languages that there were, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is important that these languages are still there essentially, and that people still speak them because there's something, as much as it's good that all these different people from different countries, because, you know, English is spoken by so many people in the world to different levels, but people can speak in that language. There's a good thing about that, but it's something different about having these different languages that have their own sort of, um, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if you can help me with trying to say what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I'm not really sure uh, where you're going. Um, although when in speaking of, you know, the, you know, I'd say early history, there was an active attempt to exterminate those languages um, in America. If you look at our history and the way they used to sort of, take native children from their families and try to enforce this standard of Europeanness and whiteness upon them. And part of that was actively preventing them from speaking their languages. I know um, Welsh language encountered something similar. Um, and so it is important for people who remain from these cultures to try to keep them, keep their languages alive. Um, I think a couple of years ago, they actually did a Navajo, um, not subtitling, but dubbing of the Star Wars films and aired those in theaters, which I think is lovely that, you know, people are trying to hang on to these dying languages, which, uh, I mean, I think it's sad, but uh, at the same time, I mean, in these cases, I think it's very sad because somebody has actively tried to exterminate the language. But on the flip side of that, um, just through natural course of history and immigration and the movement and migration of people, you know, like we were talking about a minute ago with German 
um, and French influencing English, sometimes it is just kind of natural that older languages die out. You know, there was Middle High German. That's no longer spoken. That no longer exists. There's just Hochdeutsch. There's no longer um, Middle English or Old English. And it is interesting to look at those texts and to kind of try to preserve them. But it, you know, on that side of the coin, it is natural for some languages just to to fall out of use altogether. Is that anywhere near what you were trying to get at? Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> plus, plus, I think that it's important that these that the that, it, that these languages are remembered as well because I think it's important for the history because. I think everything in history is important and it helps if if you look back to, as much as people like like the idea of you know all you, you you there's this saying that you always look to the future and never look back I think it's good sometimes to look back at these things to remind people of where we came from and that there's good things in the past as well as bad things but I think yeah I think language but there's also a thing with language where I think language expresses how that culture is as well it's it's another part of the culture as well as how they live their language speaks to how they are so if you listen to french language it's sort of a romantic might might be going a bit um stereotyping here but so if if you go to france to 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 one you know to nice or somewhere like that there's almost like a calm and a relaxedness to there that matches the language that that is with them as well yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a fair, fair way to look at it. I think, you know, language and culture are not separable. I also think that with with when we were saying earlier on about the the way that sentences and the, the diction of, of German and how that's structured, it's because... So they don't rush so much how they speak. They try to construct it in a certain way. And that's that sort of like matches how they are, where they they are not, you know, they are sort of, they have the same sort of thing where they're almost more, because, um, I mean, I, I, I lived in Germany for a few years when I was a kid, and there was a certain sort of like flow. I don't know whether it's changed since the early 70s. I'll quickly say that when I was a child, uh, so it might have changed since then. But when I was there then, there was almost like a, we'll get there when we get there sort of feel to it. It's it's like, we're not going to rush this. We'll just have this moment and it'll last as long as it needs to last. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think you have to kind of get into regional dialects to see some of the, the looseness of the language sometimes. Yep. It, it can be a lot more loose, and um, I mean, when when you speak in Hochdeutsch and listen to a lot of German, especially um, news broadcast, it's very, very clearly enunciated. Every word sort of is very, you know, separate. Nothing really runs together. Um, I guess that is another advantage for language learners. A lot of the content out there is very clear, very deutlich, as they say in German. Um, yeah. But when you kind of are in the country and you're like, I, one of the times I returned to Germany, I studied in Bavaria and Bavarian is very different. And 
recently was in Berlin and even Berlin has its own kind of dialect, which is a lot looser and a lot more difficult for um, me to pick up on. Um, so it, it does exist that, you know, there's a much more kind of not even sure how to describe it <laughs> loose, I guess, <laughs> yeah. not so rigid and structured as one sort of typically thinks of German language. It, it is out there, but I think you really have to kind of be in country to experience it. Well, what you're saying there reminds me of um, when I started doing this show and I was talk speaking with people from America I actually found that when I started doing this show, because you will know from being in the UK for a certain period of time, there are different uh, localisms in in different areas of the UK right. and different dialects, essentially, um, and slang that's used. And I found myself saying things that I would say in normal conversation with people from the area that I'm in, in the Midlands, in the mm -hmm. middle of the UK, middle of England. And um, and then I was saying these things because it's a part of me to these American people and people in other countries as well. And they were sort of saying to me, well, I'm sorry, but what did you just say? <laughs> right, right. And so <laughs> I, I found myself, I found myself over that time almost um, changing the way that I speak for the show because essentially – I'm trying to make sure that people can understand what I'm saying. And that's a big change in a way, but I think, I think I've got used to it now. I can understand that, that code switching you have to do being from the South, uh, the way I would speak with the way I speak when I'm back home in the South is a little different than I speak here where I live now. I live in the Pacific Northwest and, um, uh, I'm one of those people who says y'all, and I'll say it unapologetically, <laughs> but yep. um, that definitely drops off when I'm, you know, like here, I don't, I don't use it nearly as much. Um, just, it's not that people want to understand. It's just, it's not the cultural norm and people in general don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. So I drop a lot of things and a lot of references a lot of ways of saying things that uh, I would back home that people would readily understand because people up here would either not necessarily understand it or they'd just kind of like, you know, comment on it <laughs> in some way or another. So, yeah, absolutely understand that. So what was your first introduction to the world of podcast? Um, do you mean in terms of? Of listening and you know how did you, how did, how did you come across podcast in the first first place um to be honest i've never really been a podcast person uh that certainly changed over the past year because i've met a lot of really awesome podcasters i know you know some of the same people and yeah. some people have some wonderful shows out there um but really my introduction to podcast was npr uh, National Public Radio here. Yeah. Um, they actually have a lot of content that is podcast related. And the first podcast that I really fell in love with and started listening to on a regular basis, um, and it still runs on NPR um, nationwide, pretty much nationwide, 
um, Snap Judgment by Glenn Washington. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. I have heard of that. Yep. Okay. Um, Wonderful podcast. It's all true or quote unquote true stories. Um, He does two different podcasts. He does Snap Judgment and he also is involved in Spooked, which, and I, I adore Spooked as well. Spooked is scary stories that are ostensibly real. Um, so, and it usually comes around every year around Halloween. So basically true ghost stories. Um, Snap Judgment, however, is just true stories that are often rather amazing. Um, very interesting. The one I listened to most recently, uh, I've been listening to the, the show for years. Anybody who has listened to it for years knows that Glenn Washington grew up in a white supremacist cult. Um, he is African-American. His whole family is. Um, but he grew up as part of this weird religious cult that also has a lot of white supremacist leanings. And he mentions that frequently, but it was only last year that he ever actually did a full episode on it where you fe- you kind of learn the whole backstory and how his family came to this particularly weird cult. Um, and and it, is, it is an incredible story. I absolutely recommend anybody to listen to this podcast because that story and just every story by every individual who's ever been on it is just, it will, it will make you think, it'll blow your mind. It, it's just fascinating. And yeah, that's where I kind of, started with podcast and then until I started my own I didn't really listen to much else I listened to the well-read podcast which is a comedy podcast it's a a comedy group out of Tennessee um the they call themselves the liberal rednecks which is basically what they are they are very left-leaning politically but they also are you know good old boys from the south um yeah, they're fascinating as well. But yeah, I I definitely see that I was missing out on a lot of great content out there. And I've certainly broadened my intake of um, podcasts over the past year, for sure. So what made you decide to actually, you know, actually decide to go into the world of podcasting and make your own show? Uh, to be honest, I just heard an ad on the radio um, anchor the podcasting yeah. host the podcast hosting site um, somehow has uh, been purchased by Spotify. Yep. Although they kind of consider themselves separate entities, and what Spotify allows anchor users to do is actually insert songs directly from Spotify into your podcast. Yep. So anybody who listens to my podcast, when the songs come on, you're actually listening to this, to the track that you would, you know, listen to on Spotify normally. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the track that the labels upload. I don't upload those. Um, and I just thought, you know, I'm this this very weird person with a very specific taste in music, and I don't know a lot of people here who actually know a lot of the bands that I like. 
uh, a few people know a few things. I've I've run into people in the wild who might know like you know band number one, band number three, but um, not a lot of people I can talk to about this thing that I'm really fascinated with and that I really love. So I'm just like, oh yay, an outlet for talking about something that really interests me that I don't otherwise get an opportunity to talk about. Yeah, that's basically how it started. Yeah, it's it's a bit like um, um, the the I did I did a Christmas related related show. I don't know whether you whether you caught that one where uh, somebody goes through Christmas music that's from Japan. Uh, and I have and not so, caught that one. And oh, that's a fascinating. What's that one called? Uh, yeah, tell me which one that's called because I've listened to a handful, but not that Hol- one. Holly Jolly X Masu. Okay, I will look okay. it up. So, so um, I'll I'll remember to send you a link. I'll write that down. Yeah, please do because I, th- I think that would be an inter- that sounds like an interesting episode. Absolutely. And trust my pen to stop working at this moment. <laughs> I've got the most of that down anyway, so I know what I'm doing. But um, so yeah, so he had uh, he'd started that because he was just fascinated with that world, and very few people that he knew knew anything about that. Obviously, with him coming from America, uh, so it's so th- there's a bit of that. And then I mean, I I posted up on my own uh, feed about because I'm a big fan of um, uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra from Japan. With yep. uh, R- Ryuku Sakamoto, Ryuichi and... Sakamoto, I absolutely yes. love him. Yeah, he was so involved in the band Japan as well. Are you a fan of that band? I'm a big David fan Sylvian's of Japan? Japan. Yes, yes, and Richard ah. Bar- Richard Barbieri and uh, my, uh, my, my uh, what's his name? Khan, Mick Khan. Nice. So, have you seen the movie uh, "Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence"? I haven't, but I love the soundtrack. Because that stars Ryuichi Sakamoto and David Bowie. Well, he he's he, he, he uh, he's the composer of the the soundtrack of the music mm-hmm. on it as yep. well. Yeah, breaking. Uh, and Tom yes. Conti is in that movie as well. It's it's not a greatly known movie, but it's 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 fantastic. Watch it if you can. Well, it, so on uh, when I was chatting with the uh, the host of Holly Jolly X Masu, he was saying about that. You know, you've you've sent me on a tangent here. So Sorry. he was he was saying about that that uh, to the Japanese, they are so used to the th- the music, the main theme to to Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence, mm. that to them it's it's played in mall shopping malls over the Christmas period. So to them, it's 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 everywhere. So they find it strange when he explains that it's it's a really very rarely known. Uh, Christmas tune anywhere else and they just find that strange that it's always played there but it's little known elsewhere uh, but but yeah the drummer uh, of Yellow Magic Orchestra died at the weekend so I posted something about that oh no okay. so I'm I'm a fan of them uh, Ameri- I mean German bands I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of Kraftwerk and some other bands from Germany as well but then again saying that I feel like saying that I'm a fan of, of of Kraftwerk that I've almost got into that cliche of 
that's the band that everybody picks up on from Germany, a bit like metal fans will pick up on Rammstein. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I find here too. Most of the time, if I'm like run into somebody who has any interest in German music, um, nine times out of 10, it's they like Rammstein. They like Einstürzende Neubauten, which was basically my generation's Rammstein and uh, Kraftwerk also, same generation. Um, lately, I run into people who like uh, Helden. That's a one that seems to kind of be a little more known here for whatever reason. I think uh, a lot of people get introduced. Um, if, it's, if it's not someone like Rammstein who has somehow managed to break through the whole language barrier and become big here. It's something somebody's randomly heard because their professor in their German classroom decided to teach a song that day. Um, so that's where a lot of people, you know, run across. Um, there's a rapper called Zito that a lot of people seem to have heard of yeah. for one reason or another. And Wirzen uh, Held, and they're kind of like a pop punk, I guess. Um, they seem to be known somehow, but yeah, other than that, a lot of what I like is, is relatively unknown over here. But that's the best thing about these shows though. I mean, I've, I've always said that one of the great, one of the greatest things, I'm not going to say the definitive, but one of the greatest things about podcasting is that you can actually pick up on these little areas that, that are like. As I was saying, it's pronounced in England niche or niche in America. Mm -hmm. It's pronounced, but that you catch, <laughs> you, you catch. Well, that's from the original French niche. That that is a very niche subject, but but you've got that audience out there that that is now being catered for that weren't mm -hmm. weren't being catered for be before. Because I think you were hinting earlier that you that you put your show out and you were surprised by how many people are listening to your show. And that's the fact, that's the true, that's a show, a sign of that straight away is that you have this show that people were obviously looking for and you found what that audience wanted that they weren't getting anywhere else. I'm so glad I could. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I've been coming up on 4,000 uh, plays and that's with being limited to only Spotify for distribution. Yeah. And that's after a year. I mean, it's absolutely blown me away. And, uh, you know, I just I can't thank people enough for actually listening. Um, because as I said, I, you know, especially when I first started, when I put the first episode out, I think I got two listens for the first several weeks. And I'm like, Eh, you know, I'll do another episode or two and then I'll just hang this up. <laughs> but then out of nowhere, people actually started listening. And I did um, in the analytics, you can look and see which countries and cities and states people are listening from. And it wasn't just uh, here in the United States, literally all over the world. Some of the um, earliest uh, audiences I noticed that were actually really growing were like the Philippines, India, um, UK and Canada have been really big. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Somehow people have picked up on this and keep listening over and over again. And yeah, I think it's, it's awesome. I, I love it. Cause I think these bands are amazing and I'm sure they're doing most of the heavy lifting for me. I mean, 
I just translate the songs and teach the vocabulary. The the bands did all the hard work because, you know, I think that's what people are mostly coming for is the, I hope, the awesome music. I think it's awesome music. I think there's a lot of really good music out there in the German scene, and I'm just glad that people are responding to it. Because I think it's, I mean, I don't think this is something that happens as much in other countries, but America being so sort of insulated from the rest of the world, I don't think it occurs to a lot of people to actually listen to music in other languages that much. And it's something I've always done. I mean, I listen to Arabic music. I listen to Chinese music, Japanese music, Russian music. All of it's good to me. Um, I don't necessarily have to understand what they're saying. You can usually look up the lyrics, get an idea of what the band's all about, decide from there if that, you know, uh, you know, syncs with your values or whatever. Um, and just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm happy just having an idea of what the band's all about, what, uh, an idea of what the songs are about and just enjoying the music from there. Um, and I don't think a lot of people do that. And of course, for languages that I'm actually learning, um, I spend more time with the music and I love that, you know, especially watching my own progress over the years, just really go from, I would listen to songs and really only understand maybe the chorus at first. And the rest of the song was, you know, not very clear. I might pick up a word or two to the point where I'm at now, where if I hear a new song in German, I can nine times out of 10 understand every word the first time. Um, I think people who, you know, who love music, I think you should absolutely incorporate that as part of your language learning routine. And I think a lot of people do. I just don't think it's something we do here in America as much as we really should. No, and I'm a huge fan of music from all over the world as well, because so, I mean, uh, not only do I, as a musician, play guitars and all these other instruments, but I also play uh, tambura and I've got sarangi as well, and they're both Indian instruments. And I've got instruments from other countries as well that I I try to play to a certain level. Um, and I listen to music from all over the world as well, such as, like I said, India, Africa, and Japan, Japan Germany, France, and all sorts of countries. I think it's nice to keep to do that in a way but like you said i mean even in the uk i find that when i speak to people about music that the, the a lot of these people that i will speak to friends and acquaintances they will be very insular in a in a way like like you said about about america where it, it's almost like film as well you know where people will will not watch films that are in foreign language. I mean, all you need to do is just put on the the subtitles. And I'm a big right, fan yeah. of big fan of Chinese and Japanese films from when I was when I was a kid. You know, the Bruce Lee films and whatever introduced me to that. But I think people there, there is a thing where some people can be very much like that, be very insular and just be, oh, I will only listen to or watch something that's in my language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people sometimes have a hard time. Um kind of understanding what the point of it would be. And I, I think that's kind of tragic because I think there's just so much interesting stuff. As you said, film, I love foreign films as well. There's so much more media and content 
especially if you learn a second language um, that you can consume. And I'm just kind of the person who's always looking for something new to experience and something new to learn about. Um, and so I could not imagine sticking to purely English content with my media. I think I would go nuts from boredom. Yep. <laughs> and so I kind of have a hard time understanding that, but I mean, it, it's certain, I guess, I mean, there's not really, I suppose, a point for a lot of people. And I think that is tragic. And yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I can find a way to understand that personally, <laughs> but it's um, true for a lot of people. It's the same as I don't understand people that go on holiday abroad to a foreign country, but they won't try their, that, that culture's food or drink. They will only eat and drink what they are used to from their own, own countries. It's like people from England will go, go to Spain and they will go to an English bar, for instance, to, to right, have right. that. And I sort of think, well, if you're going to avoid the culture and the food and the drink, you in go? essence, yeah. <laughs> what's the point of actually going there? Right. And yeah, I, the thing that I think similar to that, the thing that always baffles me is, you know, people here, if they go abroad, they go as part of tour. Hmm. And I'm like, as, as an old school backpacker, I have never been on a tour in my life. Yeah. I, I've gone to many countries and I've just struggled through, you know, the language barrier, which is usually easy enough to overcome regardless of where you are. One way or the other, people can understand each other is kind of amazing. Um, and I love that, even though it can be frustrating at times and it can, you know, lead to you getting on the wrong train, going in the wrong direction, but you can, you know, easily jump off at the next station and switch platforms and go back if you make that mistake. But I just, I don't understand wanting somebody to lead me around the whole time and show me only what they want to show me. And we only get to stop here for an hour and barely enjoy a thing. Yeah. I just, I don't get the whole tour thing. I like to go somewhere and explore on my time and do exactly what I want to do. And I mean, I, like talking to people i like meeting people from other cultures and other countries um yeah i just i guess i don't understand that whole being herded around <laughs> by a tour company thing is just not me <laughs> no and if you are on that train by the way that's going the wrong way and you get off to change trains my suggestion there would be change trains a couple of hours later and see what's going on where you've accidentally ended up. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. That, that can also be an interesting way to do things. So, I mean, what, some of the, some of the most interesting stuff I've seen is from recommendations from people from that country. Yeah. Um, you know, I've definitely been to at least one or two places in the world that, you know, people are like, uh, you're probably the only American who's ever seen this. I'm like, eh, well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Glad I was the only one who uh, was brave enough to come out here, I guess. I don't know. And then I just, you know, want to go home and tell everybody, look, this amazing thing. You should go do this. <laughs> 
So what sort of structure do you have for the show and what sort of research do you do leading up to the recording of the show? Um, the structure's changed a little bit. Um, basically, there's kind of three parts and uh, four parts and three song, three three iterations of the same song. So I start by introducing the band. And if there is anything, I, I, I guess I should back up. So I decided early on that I would end up just uh, playing the same five bands that I liked the most if I didn't have a way of randomizing um, the songs that I introduce each week. Okay. So I decided to try to start matching songs up with um, holidays for example. Okay. Um, so like a Valentine's day, um, episode coming out in February is going to be a love song. Um, I did something for world oceans day, which was a song about sea cucumbers. Um, so I start by talking about whatever holiday or event, historical event, or whatever it is, whatever cultural thing I can come up with to relate the song to, um start by talking about that start by introducing the song then we play the song the first time just so you know everybody can kind of get a feel for it and then come back and i sort of curate about 30 vocabulary words um sometimes a little bit more sometimes a little bit less it depends on the song um that I go over so that people can then, when they hear the song the second time, listen out for those vocabulary words. And then I come back after they hear the song the second time and actually just read the lyrics slowly in German and then slowly in English. Um, sometimes I have guests on to help me with that. Recently put out a an episode where a nice gentleman from Cologne um, suggested the song he talked a lot about the band because he's a fan of them and he did all the german portions and i did the english portions and then basically play it a third time so hopefully by that point after you know hearing the song three times going over the vocabulary and then going over the lyrics in detail hopefully you come away understanding all if not most of it um and if it's still something that, you know, you need a little more time with, then hopefully the person will go back and, and listen to the song on their own, um, independent of the podcast. And then I put out vocabulary reviews. Um, used to do that on Twitter. Now I've moved that onto YouTube and Spotify. So it's just like a video that shows the vocabulary words that we went over in the in the episode so people can review those and then hopefully you know learn them well keep listening to the songs and you know if you followed in love with the song which is the whole point of it um if you learn that song then those are words that when you encounter them in other contexts be it on a tv show or in a conversation you instantly get this recognition from that um you know that word and then knowing those words build you know like anything else you as you build vocabulary and can understand more you can pick out new words from context yeah um so that's basically it although um i guess the the direction i'm going in now uh most of the first season is kind of like international observances sort of um 
like I did a Black History Month episode because it's actually observed both in America and in Germany. A lot of the other ones are sort of international observances that are um, sort of kept track of by the United Nations or whatever. But this season, I'm trying to get it um, more Germany specific. So this year's Valentine's Day episode will go into more like how marriage and dating works in Germany. Yeah. Um, then Valentine's Day. And um, so the first uh, song of this new episode was by a Berlin band that often sings in the Berlin dialect. So I went into um, a, a few examples of the Berlin dialect so that people could, you know, learn a little bit about that. And so, yeah, I'm going to try to continue in that vein for the rest of the season. I don't want to give away a ton of what I'm, you know, I have plan, planned, but I think it's going to be a much deeper dive into German history, culture, pop culture. And I hope, uh, hope it'll be really interesting for people. We're actually going to skip a bit here further down the list of bullet points that we've got because of you mentioning about the artist that you feature. Mm-hmm. So who are the, because uh, I, th- I think this is along similar lines to what I've put the top five German artists. So what are these five artists that you've actually chosen as the main artists that you will <laughs> will look at? Um, well, I obviously try to do a new artist every episode. It comes out two, every two weeks. So I've, you know, this past year we covered 24 different artists. Um, but, you know, back to that point of like, I would probably just get stuck in my five favorite artists. And um, I'm kind of like Flew Laborg in this, uh, in this regard that uh, my top 10 of anything is going to be different from day to day. Absolutely my top two favorite German bands of all time, and that will never change. Uh, Die Erste is one, and Die Totenhosen is the other. They're both punk rock bands um, that have been around for about 40 years now. Wow. One is more of a pop punk band, Die Erste. They tend to be extremely funny. Yeah. Um, Wildly inappropriate at times, especially early on in their career. They had a lot of songs that were indexed, uh, which is basically um, German law. They have to, it's, they kind of restrict it for anybody who's under 18, can't really listen to these songs. They can't be played on the radio, et cetera. They can't actually, I think they can't even release them on albums to some extent um and okay. they have to have a warning on there and all that stuff um they've mellowed out with time obviously over 40 years most bands tend to mellow out and then die totenhosen um they've gone in more of a a rock direction over the years um they can be occasionally humorous but i think they tend to be a little more serious with their music but those are both bands that I absolutely love and they both have been featured already on the podcast. Um, I'm sure I'll come up with them again. They're probably going to be two of the bands that I will repeat eventually, but I'm trying not to repeat too much immediately. Um, So as for like the rest of the top five, again, this could change by next week. I might have a different uh, three bands I would say, but um, 
Alligator is another one that I have really fallen in love with. He's a rapper. He's, I guess you would call him a conscientious rapper. He tends to rap about social issues like the environment. Um, He does a lot of songs about kind of the dangers of social media and the internet. Seems to be really focused on that a lot. Um, He's just really interesting. He has some very interesting lyrics, um, really kind of stuff that make you think. And I, judging from the comment sections, his lyrics tend to get taught in schools. I know I see a lot of stuff in the comment section about, oh, my sociology teacher made us listen to this song. And <laughs> so he's he's very interesting as an artist. Um, Broilers is another one that I really, really like. They are kind of a ska punk band. Um, they just have a really good, clean sound. They don't really do bad songs. Just about everything I've listened to them uh, to by them is fantastic. And they actually, um, their lead singer just recently, I think it was just last week, appeared in a Dropkick Murphy song. Right. So I would love, 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 love if the broilers just broke huge over here. Um, they just they just don't put out bad bad music. They just don't. Um, they primarily sing in German, but they did release one English album, and uh, they did do a cover of "Cigarettes and Whiskey" in English. That's um, really really good. Um, highly recommend them. If I had to pick a fifth, um, Madsen is another band that I really, really like. I know this is mostly all punk bands or alternative bands, but they're also uh, sort of a punk band, although I'd, I'd say they lean a little more alternative and then they go pretty heavy metal at times. But they're also just a band that doesn't seem to put out bad songs. So I just always find them, you know, fun to listen to. I always enjoy their music. And, you know, those, those are probably some of the, the best ones, the ones I like the most and listen to the most at the moment. Well, if people are interested, um, some people might not realize that some groups that they like, there's quite a few out there that people might not realize that are uh, come from Germany originally. So classic bands that you might not think about would be bands like uh, Tangerine Dream. They're from Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, Kraftwerk, they they were from Germany. Dare I say Millie Vanilli, but that's a, that's a bad subject nowadays. <laughs> uh, Boney M. Uh, yes, Can. Boney M, big one, big one. Can, Can were from, uh, from Germany. Fantastic mm-hmm. progressive, progressive band. Mm. Um, and or oh, you could just keep keep going. I'm going through all this entire list, here. Mm. but they, these are mostly things that I've got at home. Actually, there are a lot of German bands that broke over here, singing primarily in English, and people may or may not necessarily know they were from Germany. Um, most of what I feature on the show are bands that primarily sing in German, and that you know is kind of I don't know if it's been necessarily a barrier to wide international success but i would imagine it has something to do with it so how do you record and edit the show together um just with audacity and uh when i have guests on tend to just 
do it as part of a Zoom call for the most part. And uh, yeah. Wow, quick answer. Audacity is your friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I am very basic with the recording and the audit, uh, the editing. I don't know a lot of super special tricks or anything. I haven't been doing it for long. Still in the process of learning. Definitely, you know, probably some pretty rough sounding episodes, especially at the beginning. <laughs> but, you know, continuous improvement. I'm learning all the time. We all have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then uh, I, I like the logo that you've got for the main logo with the, it, it almost reminds me of that um, sort of like that almost, uh, is, is it fr- phrenology or something? That sort of image of that face that they use, you know, with all the, it reminds me of that where you've got the different areas shown of the the brain. It reminds me of that sort of image that that face does. Hmm. Yeah. you've got on there I, I, yeah i was going for something that looks slightly academic <laughs> okay um so i use canva c-a-n-v-a yep. to do most of uh any art work for the podcast so all the vocabulary review i actually go on canva and do sort of a a picture that is related somehow to the content of the song. And then I put the vocabulary words kind of, you know, in big, bold letters on those and create a video from it. But yeah, this is like the third logo I've used. Yeah. Um, I think it looks a heck of a lot better than the first two, but again, it's, you know, process of learning how to use Canva which is a fantastic, fantastic free service. And you can actually get a pro version, but you can also just kind of pay individually for pro. They have they have certain images that are free to use and certain images that fall under this pro category. So you can either like pay for just the one image that you use, or you can have a pro account. And it's really not expensive, especially if you use just a single image. Um, I think it's like at most a dollar um for most anything you use so yeah um i i created it in canva just really liked how it looked the sort of statue head in it i hope sort of reflects that this is a learning educational podcast um but at the same time with the headphones on there i hope it shows that you know it's also it's not pod- rigidly it's academic yeah, it's a podcast. It's not rigidly academic. And, uh, you know, hopefully it projects at least a little sense of fun, because that's mm. kind of also the point is that this is kind of a more fun way to study vocabulary than just flashcards. <laughs> yeah, it it um, it reminds me of, you know, I'm going on a tangent again here very quickly. It reminds me of I was speaking with a good friend of mine who who teaches music for a living at schools. Uh, and this is many years ago, I was speaking to them and I said that in some ways, I think that school in, in England, at least, I think they need to look more at contemporary music in a sense to make it applicable to the pupils that they're teaching. Because if they make, if they make what they're teaching close to what they are listening to now in the music world, 
it makes it more interesting to that person. So if if somebody's interested in music as a whole, then your way of looking at this would be closer to it would hit them where it, you know, where their area is essentially. I certainly hope so. And um, that's another reason I kind of randomize the songs as well, because my hope, you know, I, I listen to what I like. Um, I can listen to music in just about any genre, even if it's a genre I don't like. I can usually at least find a song or two or a couple of artists in that genre that I do like. And so kind of trying to bear in mind that I'm trying to reach, you know, German learners in general, I include some songs on there that I don't necessarily love or listen to on a regular basis, but I can appreciate them. And so like, you know, I want to make sure that as many people as possible are catered to in one way or another. So it's a huge variety of music. I mean, it's anything from punk to reggae to pop to R&B to rap um, and, you know, everything in between. Hopefully I'm going to get, uh, you know, I know there's some more styles I'm going to be getting to later. And I'd like to even include some music that's sort of music from comedy-based television shows eventually. It's not necessarily, you know... A music artist but you know just something that's fun and different and lends the show some variety so that the widest possible audience um, can enjoy it also try to be very intentional about including musicians of color and uh, as even a mix as I can of female and male musicians just so that there's hopefully something there for everybody so what advice would you give to people who are thinking of of take of, li- of learning German or any other language? Um I guess it depends on why you're learning the language, but if you're just, you know, want to learn a language, fine and it's not necessarily that you have to because you're moving there you need to because it's related to your job although those are perfectly valid and great reasons to learn languages um find something that you're interested in uh, find something that sounds good to you Uh, i think it's important to be interested in the culture somehow i think that's why especially like Japanese is so popular here now because anime just blew up in popularity out of nowhere Yeah. Um, in the nineties and what followed from that are a lot of schools now offering Japanese classes that are filling up very rapidly. Um, so find something that you're interested in something that really, you know, where it doesn't become a chore to keep learning where you're just like, Oh, I can't wait to get home and learn some more French today. (laughs) It should, I should hopefully be like that. And also don't limit yourself to, especially if you're sort of learning in a classroom, don't limit yourself to just what you're learning in that classroom. Um, Engage with the language outside of that. Yeah. That, that reminds me, it's one of the good things about your show where you actually point out that your show is good for, if you're learning the language of German anyway, your show is useful for those people that are learning German to just go that little bit 
step f- further it's 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 like you were saying with that just then it's like you learn the language in a, in a classroom but if you then go into other mediums with that language and listen to listen to the music or watch films that are related to that it pushes it pushes it more to you that language because you can actually hear it being spoken or sung and it helps you to de- to develop and understand how that language works better than just in a in a classroom I think there are a lot of other things too. One thing that um, I keep thinking to myself as I go through this, um, you know, when I'm researching songs um, and researching whatever little, you know, historical or cultural thread the song leads me on, a lot of it, a lot of things that you get from consuming, you know, things like stand-up comedy, TV shows, music from other cultures that you don't really get in textbooks. Um, to explain that, you know, I, I learned German mostly the traditional way in a classroom. And I just, thinking back to the textbooks, it was all, everything they teach you about the culture is basically beer, pretzels, lederhosen, you know, very typically stereotypical stuff about Germany that it that if you actually go to the country you find is not terribly relevant and only applies in certain areas and is certainly not reflective of the overall culture that you run into when you're actually there and I think that's why it's important to uh, consume content outside of that because you get a whole a whole different picture of the culture of the country of the people by listening to their songs because they're writing songs for themselves they're not writing songs for the rest of the world um so they're going to write about what's important to them and what matters to them and so you're going to you're going to understand that through listening to the music or the tv shows that they make it's whatever captures their imagination um, whatever is important and interesting to them. And then you pick up on that as you watch it as well. And I think that's another reason that, you know, it's important to consume some media outside of what you're, you know, presented in the classroom, especially some of those textbooks, you know, were written an awful long time ago. And you might be on the 10th edition of something that was written in the 1950s. A lot has changed since then. Um, so yeah, don't don't limit yourself to the classroom for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but definitely classroom and, and not throwing off on classrooms, I still think is probably one of the best ways to learn anything. But you know, it's just that there's more out there to learn and understand than you're gonna get in an hour lecture every day. Yep. It's the difference between in uh just you know, in English literature, for instance. It's the difference between being in the classroom, reading a play, the script to a play, mm-hmm. and going to actually see the play be performed. It's completely different, two different things altogether. Exactly, exactly. You know, reading Shakespeare and sitting in the Globe and watching a production. Yeah, two different things entirely. <laughs> so what advice would you give to people wanting to make a podcast? Um, I mean, I stumbled into it, so just stumble into it, I guess. Um, find somebody, 
for me, I had to go to a friend of mine and I'm like, please talk me into this. I kind of want to do this and I, <laughs> but I'm absolutely terrified and I hate public speaking and I hate the idea of putting my voice out there on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I hate everything about it. Talk me into this. And yeah, he was very supportive and talked me into it and I'm glad he did and I'm grateful to him. So, uh, yeah, just find somebody to talk you into it, stumble into it, experiment, um, mess up. Just yep. if if you want to do it and don't think that your idea is good or bad, no matter what it is. Um, do what you're interested in. No matter what, and it, and I guess that doesn't matter whether that results in 5000 listeners or two. I think if you're passionate about it and you want to talk about it and you want to put it out there so the world can listen to it, I think that's probably more important than anything else. If you're interested in it, then there will be other people that are interested in it and want to listen to it. As, yeah. I mean, theoretically, absolutely. But I, I'd say, you know, even even if I didn't get that many listens, I think I'd still be perfectly happy with it, to be honest. Yeah. Same here. Uh, so I've not got it on the list. I don't know why I've not got it on the list. What other podcasts do you enjoy listening to now that you're an actual podcast listener? <laughs> uh, a lot of them have actually been guests on my podcast. Um, I'm the one of the ones that I think I enjoy the absolute most is getting down and wordy and it is an etymology podcast and the two hosts are absolutely wonderful i've been on their show once and they've been on my show once and i'm hoping to have them back again but what they do is they take a popular music song uh, they tend to mostly deal with a lot of rap music they don't play the song on the show but they will take uh, certain words from the songs and talk about the etymology of those words. And they talk about the bands to some extent, but it's just really well-researched. It's really a lot more fun to listen to than it sounds like. <laughs> and they will say that <laughs> themselves, you know, you hear etymology podcast and your eyes probably glaze over a little bit, but they really make it fun. Um, it, it's a joy to listen to, and it's always interesting. So I highly recommend uh, getting down and wordy. Um, made up movies, I love that, um, and that's a lot of fun. Anybody can submit an idea to these guys, and they will review the movie as if it were real, and they had watched it in another dimension where that movie was actually made. <laughs> right. It, yeah, it's it's absolutely hilarious. Um, they're really nice guys, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. Um, Sean with Review It Yourself, I really enjoy his show too. Yeah, uh, you've been on does, it. Yeah, and I've been on it, and he's uh been on mine as well. And I ran into him by suggesting one of the Defend It Yourself movies. Uh, you can actually sort of suggest a movie that you like and no one else does and go on there and, you know, tell the world why you like that movie and why everybody else is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, Haunted Tales. I absolutely adore these two. Um, the husband is a horror writer 
and uh, the wife narrates the stories every week, but it's uh, scary stories. And they just do a beautiful job, and they are some of the nicest people you could ever run into. So if you like ghost stories, you like scary stories, it is really a lot of fun to listen to. They do an excellent job. And there's a million more, but I'm sure you only have so much time. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll, we'll stop with those. Okay. So where can people find you and get hold of you, Paisley? Um. Basically only on Spotify. Um, I did start a new podcast that's going to have a lot wider distribution, Learn German Through Lit, where I actually um, just read passages. I'm starting by reading passages from Grimm's fairy tales in the original language um, and go through some vocabulary for that as well. Um, But because of the way Anchor is set up with Spotify, it's basically really only available on Spotify. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much for speaking with me today, Paisley. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And you can find Pods Like Us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, we do have a uh, Patreon page, um, which is patreon.com forward slash pods like us where for just one pound per month you can get some extra uh shows and other things as well and you can contact us through pods like us at gmail.com anyway thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of pods like us Thank you.